Hello and welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. I'm Jeff White. This is edition NWS 571 for release on Sunday, February 2nd, 2020. On WaveScan today, Jungle Radio on Bougainville Island, a review of the new Worldwide Listening Guide, and our Japan DX reports. It was in March 1942 that the Imperial Japanese Army made its first landings on Bougainville Island as part of their onward progression through the islands in the South Pacific. At the time, there were some 50,000 local people on this island, though most of the foreigners had already evacuated in advance of the Japanese incursions. Here now is Ray Robinson with Jungle Radio on Bougainville Island. Thanks, Jeff. In April 1943, the Japanese Admiral Isoroku Yamamoto began a tour of the Japanese-occupied islands in the southwest Pacific. Admiral Yamamoto had been the key architect in the planning of the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor less than two years earlier, the event that brought the United States into the Pacific War. American surveillance teams at three widely different locations learned via Japanese-coded radio transmissions from nearby Rabaul on New Britain Island that Yamamoto was scheduled to fly from Rabaul to Balali Island, just to the south of Bougainville Island, on the morning of April 18, 1943. A flight of 16 American fighter planes intercepted the flight of eight Japanese planes over southern Bougainville, and shot down the Admiral's plane, killing all on board. Just six months later, on November 1, 1943, American forces landed at Torokina on the central west coast of Bougainville Island, and there they established a temporary air force base that was carved out of the surrounding tropical jungle. Ultimately, a total of 60,000 American personnel were staged at the Torokina Air Base, and at the same time, it is estimated, there were also 65,000 Japanese service personnel on that same island. So as you can imagine, there were times of open conflict. The American base at Torokina had a frontal area against the ocean 15 miles wide, and it extended 5 miles inland up against a rugged, jungle-covered mountain range. One month after the initial American landings, the first American planes landed on the jungle airstrip at Torokina on December 10, 1943. A temporary communication radio station was installed in a primitive building on the edge of a very muddy road in a freshly made clearing in the jungle. They also established a hospital at Torokina, with a holding capacity for 500 patients in a cluster of 70 Quonset huts. The first American radio broadcasting station at Torokina was a joint cooperative volunteer effort on the part of American service personnel from the Army, Navy, Marines and Seabees. They assembled whatever radio equipment was available and they launched a low-power radio broadcasting station on 670 kilohertz on February 16, 1944 under the self-designated callsign WSSO. The first station manager was Staff Sergeant John A. Ettinger. 
Radio station WSSO was established by the Special Service Office, hence the call sign WSSO, and it identified on air as the first entertainment station in the Solomons. This new and informal station also identified on air as AES, an American expeditionary station, as did many other stations in the Mosquito and Jungle networks during the latter part of the Pacific War. There are no known loggings of this informal low-power American AES station, not in Australia, nor in New Zealand, during the one month that it was on the air. The second American radio station at Torokina was an official broadcasting station that was set up by a small group of specially trained men who were flown in from California. In the winter of 1943, AFRS Los Angeles received a request for equipment and personnel to set up three medium-wave entertainment radio stations in the South Pacific, one on New Caledonia, one at Guadalcanal, and one at Bougainville. On January 15, 1944, the three radio teams, together with their equipment, were flown out to the Admiralty Islands, and then from there, each team flew onward to its own appointed destination. The Bougainville team installed their station, both studios and transmitter, in a prefabricated wooden Dallas hut that was imported from the United States, and it was inaugurated on April 15, 1944, as AES Bougainville. This new station, initially without a formal call sign, radiated 1 kilowatt on 670 kilohertz, the same channel as the previous informal WSSO. At this stage, the Torokino station formed part of the loosely federated Mosquito Network. This new AFRS station on Bougainville Island was on the air for two months before it was suddenly noted in both Australia and New Zealand. One of the first radio monitors to hear the new station was the Radio and Hobbies medium-wave columnist Roy Hallett in Sydney. In mid-June 1944, he noted the station with a good signal just before the morning sign-on time for medium-wave stations in Eastern Australia. The station's sign-on announcement stated AFRS Bougainville. However, a few months later, three major changes took place at AES Torokina. AFRS management in California had determined that each of the AFRS stations in the Pacific should be granted an American-style four-letter call sign, and AES Torokina became WVTI. Station WVTI dropped its Mosquito Network affiliation, and it joined the Jungle Network instead, along with half a dozen other stations in the New Guinea area, with call signs that began with the two letters WV. In addition, the operating channel for WVTI was changed from 670 kHz to 680 kHz. As time went by, American forces began to move further northward in the progress of the war in the Pacific Islands during the year 1944, and thus the American usage of the Torokina base on Bougainville Island was phased out, and Australian forces began to move in. The Australian Army officially took over the Torokina base on November 22, 1944. The Torokina AFRS station, WVTI, was on the air for only nine months. It was closed on January 21, 1945, and it was then transferred to the Philippines for installation in Manila. However, in its place, a temporary low-powered Australian medium-wave station superseded the now-transferred American station. 
It's understood that this new temporary Aussie unit was on the air under the Australian Army callsign 9AC, in anticipation of the arrival of a 200-watt transportable station under the same callsign. And we'll have more about 9AC in an upcoming edition. Back to you, Jeff. Thank you very much, Ray Robinson at KVOH in Los Angeles. You're listening to Adventist World Radio. The program is WaveScan. Well, the new year is here, and so is a new edition of the Worldwide Listening Guide by John Figliazzi. This is the ninth edition of this excellent spiral-bound book, and it marks 30 years since the first edition of the publication in 1990. As John says, radio has changed a lot in the last 30 years, and so has the Worldwide Listening Guide. In the first edition, all listings were for shortwave frequencies, but now international radio broadcasts use a variety of different platforms. There is, of course, regular terrestrial radio, AM, FM, and shortwave, but now there is Internet radio, Sirius XM satellite radio in North America, and podcasts, not to mention smart speakers, where you can simply voice a command like, Alexa, I want to hear WaveScan. So all of these platforms are covered in the ninth edition of the Worldwide Listening Guide. The book begins with a brief look at the different types of receivers that are necessary to receive stations on the various platforms. It has profiles of six major radio stations in English, the BBC, the Australian Broadcasting Commission, Canada's CBC, RTE Ireland, Radio New Zealand, and NPR in the U.S. The book is, in fact, heavily skewed for North American readership and covers mostly English-language broadcasts, although international radio listeners around the world will probably find it helpful and interesting. The heart of the Worldwide Listening Guide is a very detailed hour-by-hour listing of programs available on almost 90 English-language stations. Each listing includes the UTC time, North American Eastern time, the station's local time, name of the station or network, day of the week, program name and category, and the frequency or platform where it can be heard. This obviously required a tremendous amount of compilation. But there's much more in the guide. There are lists of international radio programs according to their category, such as arts, culture, history, business, current affairs, media programs, the environment, documentaries, health and medicine, literature, mailbag programs, language lessons, many different genres of music, news, sports, science and technology, and weather reports. As you can see, there really is something for everyone on the worldwide radio bands. The Worldwide Listening Guide also has some suggested programs on different stations. There are lists of additional references, radio dealers, radio clubs and organizations, and websites. I was interested to find an article by John Figliazzi's co-organizer of the annual shortwave listener Winterfest, Richard Cuff, about why Internet radio has become so attractive. Of particular interest to those in the U.S. and Canada is a list of North American AM radio stations operating with 50 kilowatts day and night, and a list of shortwave broadcasts in English targeting North America and their frequencies. Unfortunately, there are not too many of them anymore. John says that in late 2019, there were only 16 international broadcasters targeting North America on shortwave. 
In the year 2000, there were 58, including the BBC. For listeners who want to hear foreign language programming, the Worldwide Listening Guide has a list of non-English broadcasts targeting North America on shortwave. There are also brief profiles of shortwave stations located in the United States and Canada. For those who are new to shortwave, the guide has a lot of background information on receivers, propagation, technical aspects such as DRM, a recent history of the medium, music programs, and transmitter sites around the world that are generally audible in North America. Ken Reitz, editor of the popular online publication The Spectrum Monitor, has an article about radio on smart speakers, such as the Amazon Echo and its famous virtual assistant Alexa. And Rob DeSantos has written an article in the book about the future of Internet radio broadcasting. It is a bit scary to note that he thinks legal and copyright issues could eventually spell the end of this very popular method of listening to international radio broadcasts. As a broadcaster myself, I have already seen some of the difficulties that these issues have caused. Finally, I should mention that the ninth edition of the Worldwide Listening Guide has many pictures of shortwave receivers, and some modern ones too, that bring back nostalgic memories for those of us who've been in the hobby for decades now. The Worldwide Listening Guide by John Figliazzi is available for around $29 U.S. on Amazon.com or from Universal Radio at www.universal-radio.com. That's www.universal-radio.com, or simply from Amazon.com. There's lots of good information packed into this 184-page book. And now, speaking of John Figliazzi, uh, through the magic of uh, something, we have him in our studio right now here in Okeechobee. Uh, uh, John, uh, you're all the way from you. You're, you live in New York, right? Yes, uh-huh. I'm from New York. Yeah, but, but we spend um, we spend the we spend the, the winters, not the summers. We spend the winters in Florida. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, you've come by to see us here in Okeechobee, and uh, I'm glad you did because uh, I really want to ask you about um, the upcoming. Uh, Winter SWL Fest, which which unfortunately I won't be able to make because I'm get, getting back just a few days before uh, that uh, from China from a long trip to China, and, <laughs> and they won't let me go <laughs> for another trip for so soon. But but anyway, uh, I was there last year and it was a, it was a lot of fun. I, I, I want to go. Want to go next love year. Um, but um, uh, it's what, what are the dates? Dates are the twenty eight twenty. 7th, 28th, and 29th of February this year. We have a leap year. Okay. Is, oh, yeah. Is that a, what is it, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Or? It's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Okay. Okay. All right. And it's in the same it, place? It's in the same place. It's in Plymouth Meeting, Pennsylvania, at the Doubletree uh, Hotel there. Um, and all the information and registration, registration, things along that line, costs, whatever, are at swlfest.com. S-W-L-F-E-S-T. Dot com, right. and so the location is what uh, less than an hour, I think, from Philadelphia. Yeah, it's uh, it's a suburb of Philadelphia. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's a few miles from the airport. Um, mm-hmm. It's easily accessible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so 
uh, I, we had a lot of fun last year. We talked a lot about it. In fact, I think I still may even have an interview I did there that we haven't played yet. But <laughs> but, um, um, but uh, uh, what's what's going to be happening this year? Well, this year, I mean, the, the format's basically the same. It's uh, the way in which we look at it is it's a bunch of friends who love radio getting it out of the just talk radio. For once in your life, you don't have to explain what it is you do with the radio. You don't have to say um, whether you're a ham or whether you're a listener or whether you do other things. You're a sc- you use scanners. If you love radio, this is where you should be for the weekend. You'll have be among friends. Uh, who, are, who are some of the? Uh, or what are some of the presentations? Some of the people that'll be uh, well, talking. Um, we put together, I think, another good program. Uh, for example, I'll give you some examples. Uh, a fellow by the name of Tracy Wood spent oh. some time at the EDXC this year. That's right. We talked with uh, Tracy uh, on the program here a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Well, he's going to give a report on Andorra and also on some of his interests, which ha- go to the radio stations in Andorra and go to uh, some local radio in some of the Spanish regions. So, uh, and Tracy speaks fluent <laughs> Spanish, so he's yeah. you know he'll speak English at this. Time. <laughs> uh, we have Don Moore. Don Moore is someone who has. Been been very much interested in the extensive travel in Latin America and is very interested in Latin American media. He is going to uh, have a, a, an extended sex session uh, talking about his decades in the hobby, uh, what he's discovered about Latin American media and shortwave in, in Latin America, how it's changed over the years. And he's just coming back from Latin America to do to be at the fest. So, oh, I uh, am really sorry be... that I'm missing that one because uh, I haven't... Uh seen Don for uh, decades, I think, <laughs> and um, uh, we used to communicate a lot. In fact, he did a, a little segment for us uh, on our Radio Earth program that we broadcast ah. uh, uh, many years ago, uh, and I know he's an expert, real expert on, on Latin American radio. Wow. Okay, another uh, Janice Laws, who comes oh. every year, and I know you did a yes. great interview with Janice last year. She's a great person. Janice is going to talk about something which I think we all know is makes her uh, a, a, a a small minority, but a valued one in the hobby, and that is being a YL, being <laughs> a young lady, being a woman in a essentially what is considered a male domain as far as radio. I don't know why it's considered that, <laughs> but it's the way it's worked out, and she's going to talk about her experiences over the years wow. in that area, and that should be really, really interesting. Uh, Thomas Witherspoon is going to talk about SDR DXing. Uh, now that the uh, SDR receivers, uh, software, uh, tell me if you remember. What? Software defined radios. Thank you, yeah. SDR. <laughs> I lost it there for a second. Uh, the SDR, uh, the SDRs now are coming out. They're very small and very compact. Yeah. And uh, he's going to talk about how you can use those on the expeditions now. Uh, there's also a series we're going to continue. Jeff Eichner is going to do something on loop antennas, which he's been doing for a number of years now. He's back this year for that. Those are basically for AM, right? Uh, the uh, No, they can they, they sh- be for shortwave, shortwave as well, okay. shortwave okay. loops as well. Mm. And, of course, we have sessions on on uh, pirate radio. We have yeah. sessions on uh, scanners uh, that they come. And we have Mark Fahey coming back from Australia. And if anyone who has seen Mark... Mark's presentations on North Korea knows that this guy has got some really fascinating things. He spent some time in the jungles of Indonesia. Initially, his idea was to listen to the radio that was there, but he learned that there wasn't any medium wave or short wave there, so he actually built three stations and now has (laughs) three of the most popular stations in this particular region, Sarabatu, Radio Sarabatu. And he's going to talk about his experience in that area as well. And Plus, we have uh, in the evenings, we have a couple of things 
things. Dave Gorin always does a shortwave shortwave shindig. Right, which we've almost lost it there a too. Times here, you know? yeah. But Dave Gorin's going to do it. That's late night. Uh, it's just a celebration of uh, shortwave radio. And we also now added uh, last two years. We've added a uh, a trivia contest, mm-hmm. and that will be on uh, on Thursday night. There'll be a third annual uh, shortwave uh, fest trivia quiz. Other things may pop up too. We, of course, we have uh, a banquet. We also have a uh, a pretty good um, uh, uh, a raffle of all different kinds of radio equipment um, that uh, that uh, we we obtain, you know, in order to do this. so. Please come. Wow. It sounds like a lot of fun. For more information, again, you can go to the Fest website. SWLFest.com. Rich Cuff, who is my partner in crime in this, uh, will uh, be happy to greet you um, and be happy to have you with us. Um, you know, uh, all you got to do is come to Philadelphia the thank end of February. Thank you, John. Thanks for coming by. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jeff. I really enjoyed uh, my visit. And finally on WaveScan today, let's go to Tokyo. Here's Yukiko Tsuji with our Japan DX Report. Hello and welcome to the DX Report of the Month from Japan Shortwave Club, aided by Toshi Otake and I'm Yukiko Tsuji. Mr. Nishiguchi had an interesting DX expedition at Jogashima Miura City in Kanagawa Prefecture facing Pacific Ocean. KVRI from Blaine, Washington, USA was heard on 1600 kHz on December 29th from 0858 to 0901 UTC in Hindi and English. SIO rating was 222, then down to 211. Indian music was played. ID was given at 0900 as this is KVRI Blaine. KDIA from Vallejo, California, USA was heard on 1640 kHz on December 29th from 0858 to 0905 UTC in English. SIO rating was 242. Religious talk was on the air. ID was given at 0900. KHPY from Moreno Valley, California, USA was heard on 1670 kHz on December 29th from 0858 to 0905 UTC in Spanish. Religious talk and the female chorus were aired. Station jingle was played at 0900. Radio Brazil Central from Goiania, Brazil was received on 4985 kHz on December 29th from 0724 to 0735 UTC in Portuguese. SIO rating was a 242. Sertanejo music program was on the air. Next, we have several DX reports from our club members this week. RFA via Dushanbe, Tajikistan, was heard on 9325 kHz on January 4th from the sign-on at 1500 to 1520 UTC in Tibetan. SIO rating was 353. After ID in English, talk and music program in Tibetan started. Voice of Wilderness via Tashkent, Uzbekistan, was received on 7555 kHz on January 1st from the sign-on at 1400 to the sign-off at 1500 UTC in Korean. SIO rating was 453. Religious talk and hymn were broadcast. BBC via Oman was heard on 
5960 kilohertz on January 6 from 2158 with interval signal to the sign off at 2300 UTC in English. SIO rating was at 454. World News was aired, followed by Newsroom at 2206, News at 2230, World Business Report at 2233. Radio Romania International was heard on 7325 kilohertz on January 8th from 2300 to 2310 UTC in English. SIO rating was 343. ID was given at 2300. Followed by news. BBC via Santa Maria de Galeria from Vatican was heard on 15490 kHz on January 12th from the sign on at 0700 to the sign off at 0800 UTC in English. SIO rating was 343, then down to 342. News and talk program were broadcast. ID was given at 0706 and 0759. Radio Mali was received on 9635 kHz on January 9th from 1712 to the sign off at 1800 UTC in French. SIO rating was 353, then down to 252 on USB mode. A few aboriginal songs were played with some narrations intermittently. The program ended with the station's jingle. Finally, Japan Shortwave Club will issue the QSO cards for the correct reports on our segment of WaveScan program. We are issuing QSO card by email to the report sent by email. Our address for your email report is jswcqsl at live.jp. I repeat, jswcqsl at live.jp. We continue to issue the printed QSO card by the same system as before. Your report should be addressed to JSWC PR Box 44 Kamakura, which is K A M A K U R A, postal code 248 8691 Japan. One ILC or two US dollars for return postage will be appreciated. For this edition of DX Report, We'd like to thank Mr. Yoshiaki Hayashi, Mr. Iwao Nagatani, Mr. Chiaki Shimada, Mr. Takashi Nishiguchi, and Mr. Shinichi Suzuki for sharing the information with us. Thank you for listening and please join us for our next edition of DX Report of Japan Showtime Club. I'm Yukiko Tsuji in Tokyo. To end wave scan today, we've got some more music from Papua New Guinea. Thanks for listening to Wave Scan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio, researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson. Next week, Minakoi Island, the island of the long racing canoe boats, and our Philippine DX report. Several QSL cards are available for Wave Scan. Send your AWR and KSDA reception reports for this program to the AWR address in Thailand and also to the station your radio is tuned to WRMI or WWCR or KVOH or Voice of Hope Africa or to IRRS Italy or to the AWR relay stations that carry WaveScan. 
Remember, too, you can send a reception report to the DX reporters when their segment is on the air. Here in the program, they will also verify with their own colorful QSL card. Return postage and an address label are always appreciated. The only email address for AWR QSLs is qsl at awr.org. The only postal address for AWR QSLs is Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakanong, that's P-R-A-K-A-N-O-N-G, Prakanong, Bangkok, 10110, Thailand. That's Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakanong, Bangkok, 10110, Thailand. And the email address for other correspondence to Wavescan is wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at WRMI in Okeechobee, Florida, USA. Till next week, good listening, everyone.